Welcome to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. In this podcast, there'll be insights around three key areas to mastering the game of life. Purpose, prosperity, philanthropy. Your host, Paul Lowe, the third sector mentor, is the founder of Hearts Global CIC, which along with many other of his charitable commitments, has been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from disadvantaged communities. Author of Mastering the Game of Life, From Pain to Purpose, and Speaking from Our Hearts books. Introducing your host, Paul Lowe. Welcome listeners, one and all. Hope all is well and you continue to achieve your goals in life. On the subject of goals, just as before with uh, with Les Brad, Notts County's all-time record goal scorer. I am very pleased and honoured to be interviewing one of his colleagues, Brian Stubbs, also known as the Enforcer. Brian's going to be talking to us today about uh, the good old days in football, particularly with Notts County and uh, his career and his uh, second record number of appearances behind the great uh, Albert Ironmonger. So without further ado, welcome Brian, welcome to this podcast. Morning Paul. And um, yeah, let's start then by, um, let's talk about what I've just said. You was uh, you was in the top two of all time record appearances for Notts County Football Club. How did that come about? Um, well, when Jimmy took over, you know, I was a bit player at the start when I signed and then Jimmy came and straight away I went into the first team and 10 years later, I was still in the first team. So when you signed? 1968. 1968. By, by Billy Gray and Stuart and, and in today's uh, crazy market of transfers where seven-figure fig- seven um, amounts are changed, was there any money involved when you signed? Well, you're joking. I, saw, I was playing as a upper reserves and they wanted to, not so got a youth side. And they wanted to incorporate the youth side in part of the reserve side. And Billy Gray and Stuart Timlake were in charge then. And seven of us signed from Loughborough. And that was the start of what they say is and all the rest is history. 486 appearances. Yes, you know, Jimmy believed in everybody, you know, in my 10 years of football that in there was with Jimmy Cyril. And um, he believed in... If you're good enough, you keep playing. If you can't do the job, you'll get somebody else in to do it. And for 10 years, I did a good job. So did you ever have uh, any sights on, or was you ever conscious of Albert Ironmonger's 601 record appearances? Or did you just, you was part of the team, you was part of the club and that was it? Precisely. I was just, you know, I was in the team, earning earning money at that time. I was off decent money for you, winning and doing well in the league. And you never, you never think about the appearances. They just add up and add up, but... When you're talking every season over 40 appearances, yeah, you know, it soon mounts up. Okay, 21 goals in that time. My job wasn't scoring goals, my job was stopping goals. And it was as, it was as black and white as that, was it? Oh, yes. My, my, you know, we practiced set pieces. Don't get me wrong, everything, anything I scored, or David Needham, my partner, and or Bill, any, any of the defenders scored, was bonus. Right. And nine times out of ten, if we did score... It probably got us the two points win in those days. Yeah, because it was two points, yeah. wasn't it? Not three, like it is in the present day. Tell us about this famous saying of yours, Brian: "Thou shalt not pass." No, well, that, when you when you're a defender, you're you are protecting the goalkeeper and the goal. So, if anybody passes you, you're relying on one person, the goalkeeper. Nine times out of ten, that was the one that got the. Can I say it? Bollocking. Mm. Are you with me? 
So you're protecting him. He's protecting you. So as a defensive block... You work that, together. You work together. They shall not pass. And everybody yeah. that came to Meadow Lane says, oh, Christ, here we go. We're going into the land of the bloody giants. Because the back four, except for a little Billy Brindley, were all six-footers. The back four, Brian, that's an interesting statement. That I mean, you, you obviously come from an era of the four-four-two uh, formation. Was there any inkling in your day of the three-at-the-back approach? No, because... Um, what is it now? I can just see Bill Brindley being noted as a wing back. You know, he's a bloody full back. And yeah. his job was to defend first and then go and help cross a ball for the centre forward. I mean, you've got to think that you were just, I, I, you've in, interviewed less. Yes. No Top got record goal scorer for Notts County. Yeah. Has anybody asked him who provided the balls in for Les Brad to score goals? your full-backs, your wingers. You've got to get in the position to run and cross to get Les in the position where he's doing his job. Mm. My job was as a defender was to be in the position to stop people like Les Brad doing that against us. Yeah, thou shalt not pass. It's yeah, yeah. a great saying. So um, your, your nickname, Brian, the Enforcer, how did that come about? I think everybody's seen a big you know, gobby, gobby get, to be honest with you, on the pitch. Was that that? And... Um, a few, you know, everybody just thought, you know, well, he's a, you know, it's like um, Schwarzenegger and that, I mean, the Terminator and all that. Yeah, yeah. Somebody came up with this Enforcer name. Yeah. And in the end, um, I mean, a few years back, I think they made some T-shirts of people. And that was the one on, well, as you can see now, Paul, what we're drinking out of. Yeah, yeah. And Black. that was it. Big, strong blokes. Everybody scare them. Yeah. Nobody wanted to come to Lane to play. Um, a quote. You've mentioned Les, Les Brad, as you say. Uh, Les was interviewed in a in a previous podcast, Brian. Um, what, what's your thoughts around uh, one of the quotes from Les's book, Far Post? And I quote, now let me get this right verbatim. I have never experienced anything in life that compares to the very special atmosphere that is generated in the dressing room of a football club. What's your thoughts around that? Oh, yes. that that, that I would say that is probably 50% of your how you go out your attitude towards playing football because if you've got a good dressing room going on people go out and they want to play if you've got one where you're coming in and at each other's throat every day well you didn't have that when you've got comedians like bill and bill brinley rested socks bobby worthington john nixon and that there was never a dull moment mm. so it, you came in and you weren't in a good mood by the time you left you're in a good mood, you know, yeah. you've got all your cares in the road and you went out and we were part of a family. Be honest with you, if we went out for a drink, you didn't go out now day to try and find a player to go and do it. There'd be five, six, seven of us turning up at these pubs and that to knock pennies over because in those days the supporters paid your money, mm. paid your wages. So you can, could not afford to be detrimental to supporters. You've got to meet them on their level. Mm. Nine times out of ten, that was a public bar of a pub. All right, I enjoyed every bloody minute on it, don't get me wrong. You know, going out for a pint. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yes. Any day after that, you're in you're in in trouble of being fined and suspended by the club. And right. dropped even. And if you dropped, you're losing a lot of money then. See, I can remember, Brian, going in, uh, in town, say, on a Thursday night. And I swear it was on a Friday. And I've told my lad about this. And he don't believe me. And young people tend not to believe me. You'd, you'd go in town on a Thursday or Friday night to the pub. 
and the players would be in there and they'd be having half at the bar and you'd be talking to them about, oh, the big game on Saturday. Oh, well, I, I never did that. Wednesday night was my last night. So right, I, okay. I, can't, I can't say what the people did. Right. And I, well, I never hardly went into Nottingham. I mm. live this south of the Trent. So if I went out, it was just down the local pub. But no, if you'd... Uh, I mean, I can give you an instance if you want. A, a bloke rang up and he said that he'd seen us on um, Friday night in the nightclub, four of us. And we went to Bilborough to meet this gentleman. And Jimmy says, well, I'm going. And everyone, myself, Les Brad, Bob Worthington and Bill Brindley jumped in the car and said, well, we'll come with you then. Mm. And it's something street. Well, I do, in Bilborough, there isn't any streets. It's all avenues and lanes. Mm. So straight away, somebody was just trying to cause trouble. Yeah. But we knew very well that if you were, you were, you were out and got caught, you would have been fined and dropped. Yeah. And that was Jimmy's policy. Yeah. Because from Wednesday night, you had got to start focusing on the game on Saturday. Yeah. And when you, you know, all right, this is in training, getting everything right. Because my week as a footballer started at three o'clock Saturday afternoon. Yeah. My week finished at quarter to five. Yeah. My job was that. What you did during the week and that did reflected on what you were, how you were performed on a Saturday for those ninety minutes. Yes, yeah. that was that was all it was, and that's mm-hmm. what you were judged on by supporters. Yeah, not what you did as as nowadays going out at ten past two till ten to three, running about like spares and weddings. To me, I wouldn't have lasted. That'd have been my, my match finished. Mm. We used to go out. What as you know yourself, you went to Moisdom. You went out ten minutes. Did what you think was right to get yourself warm ready to play football yeah nowadays they seem out come the cones and they seem to do more from 10 past two till 10 to three than from three o'clock till quarter five mm. it's certainly a different game whichever way you look at it yes. that is a fact okay so bit of nostalgia brian brian wages what were wages oh, like oh. i signed for knox county 1968 and i was on two pound less than where i was working Right, and your job when you say working, what was uh, Apprentice printer. Apprentice printer. Yes. Right, okay. It's a local firm in Keyworth here where I still live. And I took a wage cut right. to play football because in those days, Paul, you were either a sportsman or a brain, or, you know, college, went to college and did further education and all this. Yeah. I was a sportsman. I, lo- I loved every kind of sport, cricket, football, anything I'd have a go at. Mm. I did, I'd sign my wages. My, you, I don't know, I used to have them hanging about. I think I went... Probably what, twelve, thirteen pound a week, if that. Yeah. But if you got in the first team, and I only signed a twelve-year, uh, a twelve-month contract, so after twelve months, I could have been unemployed. Right. Which, I must admit, there were seven of us signed, and I was the only one that retained at the end of the season mm. because they had a bad season. And Jack Dunnett, the chairman, turned around and said, "Right, get rid of them." And at that time, Jack Wheeler was caretaker manager. And he just turned around and he said, well, look, we've got this young side and he, he had to make a list out of players he wanted to keep. And Jack Dunnett turned around to him and said, well, Jack, Stubbs, told you to get rid of all these players. He's our future. And I was kept to play alongside David Needham. Mm. I don't know, as they say, the rest is history. So what do you think would have happened if you'd have been released? Would you have gone back to printing or had you got to such a level in football that you'd got a bit of respect in the game and you'd have probably stayed in the game? I don't know, Paul. I um I hadn't got any respect then because I only played one game. Right, okay. Are you with me? So the next game, that was the first season in 69, I played four and then Jimmy came and I finished up playing, what, 
two-thirds of the season, 40 games. So up to that time, it didn't cross your mind. Mm. I mean, Stuart Timlack came and I signed, you know, we sat at my coffee table. Stuart Timlack signed me in my mother's kitchen. Right. Came and, well, come in the, you know, the best room was, yeah. living room was the best room of the house, you mm. know. Mm. Take your shoes off and come in. Yeah. I said, where do you use this? He said, well, in the kitchen. I said, well, come on in. So he sat down at the kitchen table drinking tea like we're talking now. So we want to sign him for a year. After a year, I don't know if he doesn't mature into what we want, he's out of a job. So going back to that era, Brian, you know, from a supporter's point of view on the terraces, I mean, you know, and I will use the word in its proper context, not like it's thrown around like confetti these days, but the word legend, you know, there were players like George Best. So what was it like for you as a player to be aware, you know, of people like that? Did, did your fellow pros hold the likes of Bestie in the same regard or was that just something that supporters built up in their own mind? That's a supporters thing, isn't it? They make, right. the, make the legends. When you step out onto that football pitch, yeah. it's you versus him. Right. If he wins, you've had a bad day. Yeah. If I win, he's had a bad day. Full stop. Yeah. You know, you're out there to do your job. It, yeah. it, it's a job. And if you want, if I want to stop with Knox County, as I did for 13 years, every Saturday you've got to go out and perform mm. to the best of your ability. And I was one of these that wouldn't lie down if we're losing five none, which we I think we did once in yeah. 13 years. If you're losing five, I was the one that was, come on, we've got to keep going. You, you can't sit down and let them make it six. Yeah. Are you with me? You've got you've got to have that bit of oomph about you where, and I've got to be honest, that's what the 1970 team at the time got the record points and the goals and all this and everything, undefeated at home. I, I think mm. that's still a record for the club, was what they went. We played for each other. I knew his weakness, he knew my weakness, da-da-da, so he camouflaged your weakness with your good points. Mm. And that was beauty of Jimmy Cyril's training. He put you in positions where your good points were the major thing. Yeah, play to your strengths. You play to your strengths, but at the same time, you got somebody playing with you that knew what your weakness was. To and how to, to, there you are. Yeah. Common yeah. sense. It is common sense, yeah. It's not rocket science, is it? Are you with me? Yeah. You know, I don't know what the language is like. You know, we're allowed to use on your new radio station. Keep, don't keep it turned yeah. down. I, Respectful. But, well, well, I can't tell you one or two stories, though, because the language is a bit blue. Yeah. But um, a mild version of that, as I was talking to you earlier, um, we went up to the old Wilford Lane and we played and they just Jimmy Sir had just failed signing Kevin Keegan. Right. Thirty thousand bid, in came Shankly at Liverpool with the thirty five, so you can imagine Jimmy Cyril what mm. he was mood he was in on a Thursday morning training. So he came in, get them all Jackson, pads on, full scale practice match up at Wilford Lane. Mm. Well we'd been playing five minutes, Roy Brown caught the ball, threw it to Bill Brindley, Bill Brindley played it to John Nixon, John Nixon went on a run, couldn't cross it, laid it back to Bill, Bill crossed it, big bomber, picked the snot off that in the back of the net. Jimmy Cyril went, blew the whistle and went absolutely ballistic with Bill Brindley. Mm. Called him up and down the sun, he hadn't got a mother, he hadn't got a father, he couldn't play football, da da da, and every language in the sun came out. And then he just said, um, anybody got out to say he wanted to fight? Sleeve her up, he wanted to fight. And he said, anybody got out to say, Bill Brindley just put his hand up like a schoolboy and said, yes, boss, me if you don't mind. He says, yes, Billy, and what do you want to say? He said, well, I'd just like to say, boss, that that's the best ball I've played in soccer in 25 <laughs> years. And he said, yes, Billy, and what's the other thing? He said, boss, I'm not an effing bastard. I've got a mother and father. Now, will you kindly piss off? Boom. Mm. Jobs are good. Jimmy said, what does he do? Jackson, the boys are ready. Let's go home. Psyched him up. Yeah, five yeah. minutes. Yeah. 
Results that day. Notts County 6, Peterborough now. Mm. There's Brad 2, Tony Aitley 1, who scored across the balls. Bill Brimley. Yeah. Well, job done. Mm. Nowadays, it'd be another two hours later, you'd be thinking of going, well, we're discussing about the, this time of year, they say, well, with it going home in the dark, the, the training in the after, morning and afternoons, we used to be finished by 12. You'd done your work. Two hours of training, you'd done your work. So just to give some context for, for listeners that uh, um, are not Notts County supporters or even football supporters, because as is the way with this uh, nostalgic uh, insight into, into, dare I say, the good old days, uh, Brian's career was basically built around taking uh, being involved with Notts County in the old fourth division and then taking through promotion to the third, to the second and then to the top flight, which we now know as the Premier League. So Brian was very privileged to be part of the club and the setup. Under was it Jimmy that did all that? It was, wasn't it? Yes, Jimmy and Jack. That, I say a lot of people don't recognise it, Paul. Though, but um, the person that's persons, um, Billy Gray, an mm. ex-Forest player, yeah, yeah. and Stuart Timlack, of course, who yeah. there. A lot of the players they brought in. Yeah. Then they, I think, they lost at Runcorn in the cup, didn't they? I think Billy got sacked after that, and mm. Stuart and Jack Wheeler was caretaker manager. Well, he. I'd got no money, but he got players to come and play them for Knox County, and same as we were. So when Jimmy came, the basis of the side was there, yeah. and all Jimmy did is brought one a couple of more people in, but at the same time, sat down and realised what the good parts the fours were for players to do. Yeah, you know what I mean. I've got to get the big bomber, Braddy, into the box. If a game in the box, he'll score goals for me. So mm. I've got to get the ball into Les. So he went through the individuals of the team and made it into a, you know, oh, cry, what a side it was. We, yeah. we, we were the kings of the Nottingham even. You know what I mean? We went we went in the, from the 70s and that. We were going over to, over to City Ground and beating them. Yeah. You know, in this county cup. I never had any problem with the county cup and that. For five years, we never lost the Forest. But uh, when you say, you know, all Jimmy did, I think certainly, I mean, obviously... I know, I know it doesn't sound as though I'm saying a lot, yeah. but it takes a lot. That is the quality of a, a manager yeah. to take a bunch of men, put them together and get the best out of them and get the results, Yeah, which happened across the river before it's when Cluffy came. He looked what he'd got and instead of going out spending umpteen lots and lots of money... Says I can make, build a team with what I've got here, and he did. And what I was going to say on that, Brian, was I know the amount of time I've spent in uh, Jimmy's non-footballing company down at the Cross Keys with the legendary Dave Mackay, and I think it's been uh, one of the few instances in my life where I've actually sat there, not got a word in, because I was mesmerised by the pearls of wisdom that the the two the two guys, the two canny Scots, if you like, they just about life in general and they'd be talking about football and I, I got great great insights from those you know from Jimmy and, and Dave around as I say life football. they were talking about football but the parallels in life to me and I can remember one of the conversations one day then we're sitting there drinking and just you know having a good time and what have you into us this you know these two are going on about the good old days and um Jimmy said to me, he said, uh, you know, in his uh, Glaswegian accent, which he, obviously you know very well, um, <laughs> basically, did you ever play? And I said, not at that level, uh, but I know me way around a football pitch kind of thing. And um, 
And Davis had always been a bit modest and this, that and the other. And he said, uh, and then that's when David come in and he said, uh, that you, who's your best friend on a on a football field? Of course, I'm thinking the bruiser and, you know, the, the guy that can really look after himself and all that kind of thing. And he's, he says, space. Space is your best mate. Because then you've got time to play your ball rather than being under pressure and being rushed. And yes. Well, you see, nowadays, you see, straight away, they go out training, what happens? Umpteen cones come out and everything's little tap-tap football in a 10-yard living, as big as my living room, we've got 10 players trying to keep the ball. When we were playing, and this is truth, for the first two weeks, you never saw a football. Mm. You ran to get fit. And ran, Colic Woods, I can take you up there and they'd lose you with the running we used to do up there. So you got fit. And then on, I'll never forget this, on the Monday morning of the third week, Jimmy stood on the pitch and all the players, his squad of what, 16 if that, stood at the side of the pitch. And he turned round and he said, this is what you're going to play on, pointing at Meadow Lane pitch. He says, this is what you're going to train on. And if you don't do the job on a Saturday, you'll be running round it. Meaning, and uh, <clears throat> nobody believes me, I never, while Jimmy Cyril was manager of Knox County, played five-a-side football. Mm. Yes, I played six-a-side, seven-a-side. It was always on a big pitch, the full pitch. So you learned, as you say, to get the space to improve your passing, improve your control, and know where you should be and what you should be doing on that pitch and for me that's a great metaphor for life in general because i think in you know just in everyday living with your family you're on your own or whatever it is you're doing the more space you can allow yourself rather than being flustered and pressured and you know and and feeling kind of under the weather the better it is because you can then make clearer decisions about what it is you're doing well once you get home paul I don't know, you know, we used to be, myself and Gene used to be the same. Once you walk through that door, work, football and everything, gone. Mm. It was your own time and your family. Yeah. Make the best of it, which we did. And just just for the benefit of the listeners, Gene was um, Brian's wife, who's sadly deceased. Um, I suppose, I wonder, I often think about this, Brian, for, for ladies such as Jean, how she would react to the modern day term of and i think it's gone now and it's it's a horrible term but the wag you know the wives and girlfriends of footballers because obviously you come from a generation which was more let's say more traditional yes traditional because your wife and supporters were and everyone concerned with Knox county were part of one big family yeah now i've got to admit i don't go down to watch football now because i think it's just one big business Mm. And you've got to remember, but nowadays they've got the commercial side, they've got everything coming into that club. Yeah. Sponsors and that. We were only sponsored by Adidas. That was every team in the leagues mm. got an X amount of pounds for kit from Adidas. Yeah. Full stop. None of this outside sponsors. And my wife went, went all the wives went to watch the, the, and the kids used to play football behind the stand with the stewards. Mm. You know, this, this is how it was. Yeah. And there was only one bar, and that was in Centenary Bar, which my father-in-law, David Roberts, and John Mountney, uh, John Mayer, Mount, Mountney, sorry, Mountney, and those, started as a place for the players to meet and have a drink and talk to the supporters, which we did. Man management, Brian, because we took, you know, we kind of sort of, uh, what, what I want to do here is try and draw parallels that, OK, yes, the game has changed dramatically over the years, 
Um, and the jury's out. Everybody's got their opinion, whether it's for better, for worse, or whatever. And that's that's a very individual thing. We could be here forever more debating that one. But for me, whether it's football or whether it's life, uh, how it was then and how it is now, there's a common thing that runs through um, through life, through work, and it's called management. So, in in a nutshell, because before I share my views on what I believe was the success of, of people like Brian Clough and Jimmy Cyril and Jack Wheeler, to name but three, uh, Brian. From your experience of turning the clock back and playing under Jimmy and Jack, what was the secret formula? Because, as I say, you went from the old fourth division right up to the first division, brackets Premier League as we know it. Um, that was some achievement, wasn't it? But So what was the, you know, what was the trick? Jimmy's it, was, it was one of these, it put you in a position where... It was your responsibility. Okay. You were your own man on the, there, but you had got a job to do. Okay. And you had got to do this job every every week on mm. a Saturday or Wednesday when you were playing. Yeah. Once you put that black and white shirt on, you were Knox County. And you even now you see him turn up in tracksuits and that. He used to have to wear collar and ties. Yeah. It was part and parcel of that. You know, you will dress accordingly. A little story, if you've got them. Billy Gray signed me, and I went in a pair of jeans and a nice, you know, smart jeans and that, when, when they were just coming into jeans. And he took me to one side and he said, you ever come dressed like that again? I'll sack you. You right. represent this club 24-7, mm. and you will dress accordingly. And since that day, and you can do what you say, ask anybody, I have never, ever worn a pair of jeans. Right. Even for work. So, what you, if I'm hearing but, you but, correct yeah, yes. then, Brian? So, with me. so, management is... Getting my house in order, right. which is playing. Once you've done that, you've done, got Jimmy's house in order because you've got a good side. Mm. And everybody then is functioning to each other. And you are a family. You know, it became a big family. Wherever we did, we did together. Mm. And it, it, it was it was just hard to describe because everybody was for each other. It's but, not hard to describe though, Brian, because for me, having sort of, you know, been aware of this from an early age... And then obviously being involved in business, there's a, as I say, there's a common thing. and Or there's two things. One, getting everybody on the same side, chasing the same goal. Correct. That's It's such an obvious well, no, one. No, no, that was it. For te- Are you with me? You're saying on about promotions. Now, everybody he brought into that club, Jimmy Cyril, was not going to upset the apple cart. Mm. It was another part of the jigsaw to, to improve the jigsaw, let's say, or whatever. And that was it. Another story, if you want. He came in when Bill, when he signed Bill Brindley in October of 70, 1970. He walked in, and the right back, he sat there. And Jimmy Cyril walked into the home team dressing room with this Bill Brindley and said, right, here's the last piece of the jigsaw. Now we start winning leagues and championships. And there's the right back that's going to be replaced, sat there, and Bill Brindley just walked through the doors with Jimmy. That was him. Yeah, You're not doing the job, son, I'm sorry. Somebody's got to come in to do the job. Full so stop. what that says to me, so Jimmy had the vision of taking that club from the, the lower oh, oh, levels yes. all the way up to the all very the- top, and he did it. As you know, he had the right goals in place. But, but the other thing that I was going to allude to, which is the commonality, whether it's business or life, is keep the game simple. Oh, Life's yeah. a simple game, I believe. Pre- precisely. Um, your basics of football are what? Kicking a ball, passing a ball, heading a ball... And that, and if young kids are taught that, there's your basis. So nine times out of ten, and the same in life. If you teach, 
bring them upright, they respect everything. Yeah, there's a system. There's, there's a, a system there. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of times now, at times, you can get to places and this is neglected. Now, to me, I know, don't get me wrong, because a lot of parents to make ends meet both have to work, to yeah. pay mortgages and that. Yes, I agree with that. In my day, not so much. Because mm. what we, for me anyway, from my point of view, what I was earning then with being in the first team in certain positions, winning, appearance and that was all money on top of my basic wage. Yeah. So for 40 w weeks, I was getting a lot of money. Yeah. In those days, in those days, you know, a, a good well, good money. Mm. So you respected it and I'd got time. I mean, we only trained from 10 o'clock to roughly 12 o'clock. So every afternoon I could go and pick my kids up from school. I could, you know what I mean? If I take them to school in the morning before I went training. So the family life was still there, and that's how I was brought up at home. Mm. Was part of a family. All my neighbours was Auntie Sarah, or Uncle George, and that no relation whatsoever. But the community was all part of my bringing up. Yeah, and you got to know everybody. The back doors were never locked. People just walked in. Are you in? All of that, and that was it. Nowadays, you have to lock everywhere up because I was in the commission. Yeah, it's a different, uh, it's a different society. We're Correct. Living, that's for sure. Yes. So we've already talked, Brian, um, and quite rightly honoured Jimmy and Jack for their phenomenal achievements, their man management, their very different management styles. Um, and we've already flirted with the name Brian Clough. Did you ever have any dealings with, with Brian? Oh, yeah. Well, for my testimonial. Now, the club gave me the ground, full stop. No money or anything. I had to go out and beg, steal and borrow, to be honest with you. And I'd got a committee which my father-in-law was chairman of. John Mountley was there and, you know, people, businessmen of Nottingham yeah. came together to get me some money for when I'd finished playing. Yeah. And, um, of course, we played the Reds for my testimonial. Mm. And I went across there, got a phone call from, oh, what's her name? Marion? Is it Carol? No, no, no. It began with them. Okay. Living Keyworth. No, ever so well. Oh, Christ. Old agency. Old age mm. coming in. And phone call from her. Brian Clough would like to see you. And Jimmy said, well, you better get over there. This is before training. So, of course, over we go. Pull in. There he is. Of course, he turns around. Um, he play, bring, I'm bringing the big side over. The full side over. Who's organising it from our side? I said, oh, McGovern. John. John McGovern, yes. yeah. He says, oh, good, uh, what's he charging? I says, well, he wants uh, £50 a head. Get, get McGovern in here, picks the phone up, get McGovern in here, I'd like a word with him. Is he still, a, yes, he's here, yes. Tell him I want to see him now. So, of course, in comes John McGovern, and he says, oh, right, John. Um, you're going over to the big fella's testimonial, aren't you, next week? Yes, bo yes boss. Um, £50, yes, boss, I think that's a good deal. Um, 45 uh, Well, boss, I don't know, I think that's asking uh, 40 and by the time he'd finished and John realised he was talking to himself, I think they finished up with about paying me, I had to give him £20. <laughs> I mean, I Every mean, time he back it, it was down There you fiver. are. Yeah. And that's how football was and that's yeah. how I met Cluffy. We played, you know, we played um, a cricket match. Mm. Derek Pavis's ground down by the Trent there. And it was a day like today outside, you know, overcast, drizzling rain and we fielded for us and absolutely sodden. And Cluffy just came in and said to Derek Pavis, um, Derek, go and get me a bottle of whiskey. Of course, came back and thought, oh Christ, here we go. All the cups are filled with whiskey. Get that down, you, all of you. 
because it's cold out there and you've done hell of a good job now we don't want you getting any bad coughs and flu and that mm. and he made us drink this bottle of whiskey and tea what was it like Brian I'd say on the Saturday Saturday afternoon you're coming down that tunnel 5 to 3 10 to 3 to the anticipation and the roar of the crowd what was that like because obviously you was a local lad from Keyworth just up the road and you know most of us can only imagine what it's like coming down that tunnel now was did your mind fluctuate into the lads and lasses on the terraces um or was you so focused as a pro that you didn't know they were there paul just you didn't know you didn't know they were there you came down and you were if you started listening to the crowd in those days you could hear you know you went past them before he told you what he thought of you yeah it upsets you yeah. You know, and once it got into your mind, yeah, yeah. your legs go and everything. Yeah, yeah. So you'd got to, as I'm telling you, you'd got to concentrate for 90 minutes on what your job was. Yeah. Slightest bit of lack of concentration. Mm. Somebody's beat you, you're one on down. Yeah. They're doing the same. And that was it. So they met a lot to you. Mm. After the game, you're giving it the thumbs up and everything. Yes, yeah, because yeah. You've, you've now done it. Starting to come down. Yes. And be part you know, of yeah, the 12th man. Yeah. There, there you are, you see, you know, and the quicker you can get off the pitch and go for a pint, the better. <laughs> right, okay. Are, are, are you with yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. And, and that was it. And you, you met, as I say, and, you know, they'd got the centenary. If you didn't, you went to the TBI. Who was the, who was, would you say, is your best stroke worst opponent? As a centre half, hard to say. Um, who was the one you as a centre half, as the enforcer? Who was the one that I, when Saturday come, despite your kind of professionalism and your focus, you thought, "Oh no, he's going to give me an hard time because he's such a good player." Peter With maybe, yeah, Ted McDougal. It wasn't as you're trying to make it. You know, if you went out worrying about him yeah, straight away, yeah, you, you, are you with me? You've lowered yourself, and they've got you. Fear factor, correct. You beat now, yourself. You, now you see. As, as we were saying, that land of the giants. Nobody wanted to come to Meadow Lane because it was land of the giants. And mm. they were scared. That's why we didn't lose it all. 1970. Mm. Played 23, won 19, drawn four, lost none. Mm. Well, that tally of points nowadays is nearly promotion. If it had three points, you're not, you only need about another 10 points. Mm. And you're in the playoffs, another 12 points, and you're promoted. So it was me being more of... Him being more afraid of me yeah. than me being of him. Yeah. So if he's a good player, you've got... And as I say, you've got somebody playing alongside you that would help... If you were going through a bad patch, they'd yeah. help you out. Yeah. And the manager, the manager knew what you could do and he'd come in and say, you're not doing your job at half-time. Come on, you're not doing your job. Let's get out there and do your job. Mm. And and that was part and parcel. And everybody else, come on, Stubby, you can do it. Yeah. And, you know, come on, Bill. Don't get you... And instead of coming in and sitting there with your head down, gone, the, the, in the dress as you're on about dressing room spirit, you got people there. Come on, we've got to go out and do it. Then you got your head back up. The manager didn't come in and give you a right going over. You know what I mean? It it get you in a, a position where you want to put your shirt, keep your shirt on, and go out there and do the job. And that was part of management. Mm. So when you was playing, Brian, you had a real sense, a real strong, consistent sense of purpose. What happened when you stopped playing? What happened after that? Where was your mind after that? Did you miss it so badly? It's like, what do I do now? Because that had become part of your identity, hadn't it? No, but I didn't sign till I was, what, 17. But so I'd been, so. At work, been at, I'd been at work. Yeah. So I knew how to use my hands. Right. So I knew that sometime I'd got to go and do it again. So... 
mentally, I missed it because when I left, it was getting boring. The mm. training was coming to morning and afternoons, and right. you were spending. And by in your in my mind, I didn't want to know. Mm. I was turning off, and okay. I, I must admit, I was glad to see the back of it okay. because I didn't go down there. There and the only time I had anything to do with football, I played local foot, amateur football and that. I went back into doing that, helping Grantham Town, yeah, Ina with Bill Brindley and John Nixon, they were managing that, helping them out and that, which gave me that bit of incentive because it was the old fashioned way of football. Mm. Now, whether or not that was good, bad, indifferent, I don't know, but what I'd done with my life in football, I didn't rely on anybody to give me work, right. I went out and did my own work. Yeah. I finished up doing structural repairs on cradles, 26 stories up, hanging on cradles and all this. I wasn't bothered. Mm. I could do, I, I knew I, if I did, I, I'd got hands, right, 20 okay. years, go and do it. Interesting. You, you've, still, yeah. you've still got to earn money to pay mortgages, to pay kids, get kids clothes, food, and keep your wife going. Are you with me? Interesting, Brian. Yeah. But, but yeah. at the same time, I just probably because I was brought up in this place, Keyworth, which was then just a village, and in the summer holidays you had eight weeks. Well, mm. you went spud bashing, hay making, you did everything, you yeah. know, to earn money. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't you, <laughs> you couldn't go swimming, afford to go swimming and get a bus. Mm. You know, we weren't that, you weren't really to keep going into Nottingham paying Portland Bastard there. We went down the brook, swimming in the brook. You know, nice clear water, by the time 20 or 30 of you have been in it, it's like a mud hole. And a man comes fishing and bringing eels out as long as your arm. Yeah. And you're swimming in it. The simple places in yes, life, Brian. The, the simple oh, places. Even me, you yeah. made the best of what you'd got. And that's yeah. exactly what I did after football. That's what I'd got no qualifications as such, but I'd got a pair of hands and I could go out and put, turn out work week after week after week. Yeah. As you say, you make the best of you what do. you've got. There's a great lesson there, isn't there, in life? So... Okay, well that that's been very uh, it's been very insightful, Brian. So whether in football or in life, I personally believe that the it's an ever changing game, because how we do one thing is how we do everything. And you've kind of proved that there with your statement about well, listen, I've got a pair of hands and I'll I'll work whether it's on the football pitch or whether I'm doing scaffolding or whatever it is, I'll work. So that kind of proves that. Yeah. So as you look back on it all now, Brian, in the twilight of your career, what would be your message to the world? Whether people like football, don't like football, like Notts County, is kind of irrelevant. You know, what would you like to be remembered for when you take your last kick in the game of life? That I was the sort of person that didn't sit on his arse and do nothing. I got up and put my hands to work and got on with life. I yeah. think that's it. I can, if anybody wants, even now, anybody wants me to help them do something, I'll just drop it and go and help them. Yeah. Money doesn't change and anything, we just go and do it. Yeah, helping each other out. Yes. Spirit of community. But are, are you with me? You've got yeah. to keep that, Paul. Yeah. Paul. Once you start that, I think then you become so far apart from people that nobody respects you anymore. They just yeah. take you for granted. Yeah. I can still go to places and they'll, hey, well, look, here's big stubs in now, we've got trouble. Why aren't you? And I walk, if I go down and watch knots, Mm. You're walking in and somebody say, "Hey, got your boots with you?" Yeah, I think I think that that is the basic thing because you know if I if I put my boots on, I would go out there, and if nothing else, lift the other players to do the best. Yeah, and then you've got you've got to do that. Whatever you do, you've got to go out and do your best. What's the use of doing it? 
Well, uh, in you know, on the football pitch or in life in general, yes. keep inspiring people. Keep you know, spread that happiness, and uh, that's not a bad way to play the if, game, is it? If you if young kids get up, you know, you see them now with the thumbs. They've got the best thumbs in the world, <laughs> haven't we? Every kid you yeah. see is tick 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 with it on these things. Now, my two granddaughters every weekend are doing what? They are playing football, and the only thing I do at weekends now is go and watch my granddaughters playing football for Notts County. Notts County. Yeah. And I am proud. No, they haven't got my name. They've got the father's name. And nobody knows that they're Brian Stubbs' grand, grandchildren. Mm. But when you see our Emily play, you'll turn around and say, oh, didn't she remind you of Stubbs? Yeah. And you have heard people say that. Yeah. Did she make that statement, thou shalt not no, pass? No, no, no. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, sorry, <laughs> yes. But, yeah. but you know what I mean? She is one of these little... And, and Gracie is a goalkeeper. Yeah. And she's a brave little bugger. But honest to God, you've got to go and watch him, Paul. Yeah. I mean, you, you say about football. I went and watched England play Brazil, a medal lane. And I'm sorry to say, for three minutes, great. I was bored to tears after that because mm. I think in the next 80 minutes, 87 minutes, I think we only had one shot. Mm. Well, when that's happening, Paul, no action in the area and that. People trying to walk the ball into the goal. You know, yeah. part and parcel of his passing, shooting, heading and all that, crossing and doing that. And, I, and I, I always think to this, I always think if Les Brad was now playing a centre forward in this day and age, it'd have been lucky if he'd have got 37 goals in his time with Knox. Never mind 137. Well, that's but, something we'll never know. Yeah, well, precisely, isn't it? But, yeah. but you know, on on that, you know, you've got to go. If any, you know, people that's listening, you've got to go out and in life, whatever you do, go and get the best damn effort you can, do the best you can, and you'll find that nine times out of ten, it'll work out for you. And that's a great, that's a great insight, Brian. That really is sincere gratitude to you, Brian, for. Um, that's a big word, isn't it? Well, sincere gratitude. gratitude. Well, it's right two up. words, actually. Oh, I know you was... See what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brian, stick, could... to, stick to Ed in the ball at the back. It did a lot of good. Yeah. Well, apparently it's not done a lot of good, has it? Because that's two words. But anyway, <laughs> so thanks to that. And thanks to you, the, uh, the listeners, for being part of this Mastering Life podcast. Until the next time, keep learning and loving. And always remember, Mastering Life starts by embracing our hearts. Thanks for listening to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. Drop a line to paul at paullowhearts.com with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at paullowhearts.com or any of his social media feeds under the same name. Remember, mastering life starts by embracing our hearts.